Billy, Billy, he's our guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He'll get fat if he eats more fries. Oh, did you, did you eat a lot of fries? Uh, I ate a lot of chowder. Uh, so it is. Uh, it is uh, Tuesday, December thirtieth. No, twenty ninth. Twenty ninth. Last big on taking pictures show of the year. <laughs> There's another small one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that doesn't make sense. <laughs> All right. Last. Let me try that again. Click. Uh, yeah. Last on taking pictures of the year. Last one. Episode one ninety two. Yep. 192. Man, 192. We're getting up there. Getting up there. Uh, it, it's uh, it's 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 Jeffrey Sidoris. It's Bill Wadman. It's on taking pictures, and and we're gonna uh, we're gonna take your questions today. Question. We got some great questions today. Really good. Some of them, though, I, I have no idea how I'm going to answer them. I have no idea either. But I think that's why people. That's why the folks tune it's in. It's part of the fun, right? Um, hey, uh, how how. How has your year been? Would you a say year been? Yeah, like on a, on a scale of one to ten. How how has your how has your year ended up? And did it end up where you thought it would going into it? Um. Well, see, uh, this year was a big year for me because of getting married and all. Right. So personally, it was a grand spanking year. I think professionally, it was an okay, could be better year, but you know, there ups and downs. Um, that's, that's a, that's a common, kind of a common thing for a lot of our photographer friends. Would you say? Sure. Yeah. Oh, the, the, some the, years the, are the up, industry, some years are down. Well, but this, this year in particular seems to have brought a lot of change to at least some of the photographers that I know. Yeah. Or, or the change crossed lines. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know quite. No, it's, it's weird. I think that, that, that everything is always changing. Of course, you know, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. Something something did change this year and not change in the way that things changed in, say, 2008 when like things really changed. Um, but I but I think for a lot of people, there was a realization for people who used to do it, say, quote unquote, the old way in the industry that the old way doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a much larger conversation. That's uh, uh, maybe we could start out, start out next year talking about that. Yeah, we could talk about that. Sure. Yeah. Make a note of that. All right. That's a, that's a terrific topic. Yeah. Uh, what, what's, uh, what, wait, what's Craigslist excellent? I noticed that in the, well, in the thing. So, you uh, want to talk about something we'll get, else first? We'll get to that. We'll get okay. to that. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, at the beginning of the year, I could not have pictured being here by the end of the year. I'll tell you that. Oh, cause you're, you're all the way across the other side of yeah, the world. As I didn't, I didn't really see that coming. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad it did. Yeah. I was going to say, you're glad you made the move though. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm more excited for 2016 than I have been in a long time. I think I'm more inspired. There are, there are lots of things in the works that I think have been a long time coming. Do you see the year break though, as a chance to start over? Like, do you, do you, do you, do you, you know what I mean? Like in your mind, not typically, but, but this year. Because because I I you know uprooted and, and moved sure. here, uh, and I've been sort of you know kind of getting my sea legs here. I think uh, 
I mean, look, there there are things already in progress, uh, in process rather, uh, that have been kind of going on behind the scenes for a couple months now. Yeah. But uh, there, you know, there are new episodes of Process Driven that are starting uh, next month in January. Yep. Um, which the first couple have been recorded. Uh, the first one is you're not going to want to miss it. I'm not going to say anything, but it's it's somebody that I've wanted to talk to for a long time. Okay, and awesome. I'll, and I'll leave it at that. Um, there there's a chance for some collaboration with uh, some members of the group yep. that we're that we're looking at. You know, so I, I there was a realization this year that, and and I think I started maybe even last year or the year before, but it didn't really sort of come to fruition or didn't really become fully realized until this year where, where my focus is outward. And I think it, it, it has been for a long time in, in small steps or in, 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 in small ways, but I, I want nothing more than to collaborate. I want nothing more than to, to celebrate the work of other people because that's, I'm finding that not only brings me joy, but that inspires me. Okay. So, you know, and whether that's with uh, some people in the group that I mentioned or with you, I think you and I could do something really cool together. I don't know what it is, but I think <laughs> even even beyond the show, I think there's I, I an opportunity. Say, we could do some sort of podcast or something. Right. You know, what, we could, what, what would we talk about, though? I mean, geez. No, I think there's I think that there is an opportunity for us to do some sort of visual project together and i don't know what that is okay but i think it would be really fun okay well we're close enough to do it now yeah yeah so anyway um so i i am i am more optimistic than i have been in in quite some time i think yeah it's um uh i mean i'm i'm looking forward to the new year um but the the end of the year, I mean, just with the holiday running around and family sure, and all that kind sure. of stuff and travel and, you know, and then my birthday is January 4th. So this part of the year is always like this, like weird little, you know, fast run thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's even more crunch time than normal, right? Yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah. like nothing gets, nothing really gets done until a week from now, you know, like nothing's happening right now. And <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people are still gone. I mean, a lot of shops oh, yeah. are closed down, oh, yeah. you know, design shops and, and ad agencies and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. No one's doing anything this week. No, 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 no. Uh, no one's doing anything last week or next week. So uh, it's just one of those things. So mm. it's a, a small little mini hiatus at the end of the year. Uh, right. Plus the missus is, is home from work for the week. So nice. Uh, little, I can't Yeah. A yeah. uh, little, little, little time. Uh, you know, yeah. we were up in uh, Boston uh, yesterday and... Err. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was a little cold yesterday. I mean, not like yeah. cold, cold, but it was cold. And it's, we went it's West Coast cold. <laughs> yeah, it's very West Coast cold. Yeah, um, we went to uh, we went to go see this Vermeer that was supposed to be at the Louvre when we were there, whatever, two months ago, and mm-hmm. was on loan to somewhere in Japan, and then was on loan apparently to the MFA in Boston, which is a great museum. Wow, Vermeer gets around. <clears throat> yeah, apparently, uh, and in <laughs> fact, one of the ones from the National Gallery, the one where the like the girls looking towards camera, as it were, like towards okay. the artist. Like okay. out of the frame uh, was there too. So there were two of those there and a whole bunch of Dutch painting, which is just really funny because we looked at so much damn Dutch painting while in Amsterdam. That, like We were like, wait a minute. What is this? Like a little right. mini little, version of our trip to Amsterdam. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, go to see that and, and whatnot. And then uh, we go upstairs uh, to see what is arguably like my sort of uh, 
uh, uh, my favorite painting of all time, which is that Sargent painting of uh, the daughters of Darley Boyd. You know that. Sure, you know, sure, yeah. sure. And they moved it from one side of the museum. They had just built a new, well, just apparently five years ago, built this new American wing. And they put it up on the wall. It, it's sort of like one of the big things of their collection. So they put it right when you sort of walk into the gallery where it used to be sort of down in a corner where you had to like go find it sort of get to it. Hmm. And in doing so, they put it like a foot or two higher on the wall in such a way that when you go up to it, because it's a big painting, it's like an eight right. foot by eight foot painting. When you go up to it, the lights from the ceiling coming down on it shine such a, a glare on it. You can't, if you're up close to it, you can't see the top half of the painting. Oh, it just blows out. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know what I'm talking about? You ever see stuff like this where it's interesting that the presentation of a work of art, like the way it's lit and stuff, can have so much of an effect. It used to be that this painting was a foot off the ground, and now it's three or four feet above the ground when it starts. Right. Which means the bottom of it is sort of, you know, body height. Where before it almost was almost like you're looking through a window into this world where mm -hmm. now it's up too high to do that. And you know what? It kind of it, it kind of it, it, it wasn't nearly as good. You know, I, I, was just, I can see that 100 percent. Yeah, it, it was fascinating. I was like, wow. I, you know, did the people who put this up and put the lights in and stuff think about the fact that this would be all glary when you get up close to it? I, um, I will tell you that I, I've had conversations with uh, uh, Michelle at the uh, National Gallery of Art about the way they hang things. And they are so fastidious about choosing color, choosing light temperature, choosing light intensity, yeah, uh, but how it's mounted, where it's mounted. Yeah, but at the same time, you still see so many museums, including at, occasionally at the National Gallery, where I'm just like, uh, really? They, it's, they, they, yes, they seem, to, they seem to take so much care, but then there's all these things where you go, what, who made that decision? You know? Mm, so mm -hmm. I, 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 I don't know. It was, anyway, it was just interesting. It so, has a, a <coughs> dramatic effect on how, you, how you're able yeah. to appreciate the piece. Definitely. And then we went yeah. to the Gardner Museum around the corner which you know was like this woman who uh inherited a bunch of money from you know her like her husband's grandfather or something who was like in the spice trade or something you know whatever the big money old uh, uh boston money was and they she built this crazy house and she used to buy all this stuff and she owned a vermeer hmm. except in 1989 people dressed as cops broke in just as they were closing the uh, the the museum, and <laughs> what did they have to take it downtown for questioning? <laughs> well, they they like knocked on the door, said that they had a call from the alarm system. The guards let them in, and they subdued the guards and stole a bunch of stuff. Wow. Uh. Uh. Yeah. And <laughs> we gotta uh, take this Vermeer downtown. It was never found. The, really, the painting still have ne has yeah. never been found. In fact, I'll put a link in the show notes to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum theft. Uh, it was in 19, March uh, 18th, 1990, lasted an hour and 21 minutes, and they stole a Vermeer, two Rem uh, three Rembrandts, a Manet, Degas, a whole bunch of Degas uh, drawings. Wow. And a couple, yeah. Like, they Has knew, any of it been recovered? No, and no one knows who did it. Wow, so Somebody's, somebody is sitting pretty on a, on a nice collection. Or they destroyed them because they were worried about getting caught, which is the scarier option. Right. Um, 
So it was estimated loss of five hundred million dollars. This the, the art that they they stole. Yeah. Anyway, there's only you know there's only thirty four known works by Vermeer, and one of them is stolen. And the cool thing that they did was in her will, she said, you know, when I die, this place should be a museum so people can come see it. But nothing can change. It has to be. Everything should stay where it is on the walls where I had it when I died. So you can walk mm. around this crazy house, but everything's where it was. So the things that were stolen, they left the empty frames on the wall. Oh, wow. So you walk in the room and you're like, look at that. It says Rembrandt at the bottom of the frame and the frame's empty. Weird. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> so anyway, I, wow. went, I saw the frame where the other one of the last Vermeers that I will probably never get to see because some jerk stole it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a whole big giant thing. Wow. Um, and interesting, they said that, the, you know, they came in, they must have known exactly what they wanted because there's a Titian painting called Rape, uh, The Rape of Europa yep. that's, that's there that is super, you know, famous and super worth a whole lot of money that they didn't take. So mm. they knew what they wanted. Like they had a, they had a shopping list. You know what I mean? Wow. Wow. Um, anyway, so just interesting. And uh, uh, they went all Thomas Crown on that place. Well, yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we should get to our questions before we like right, go on for right. an hour and a half. Uh, uh, something else you wanted to say, or you want to jump? No, do- I can save Craigslist. Excellent. <clears throat> well, it's really simple. It's, okay, it, what are you gonna say? It, I'm looking a- for cameras. I'm looking. I'm looking. I've got some 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 film cameras that I've been looking at. Oh, so is this a comment on uh, what the quality of excellent means? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, for those of you listing things on on Craigslist, before you call something excellent. Please do Jeffrey a favor and look up the word excellent. What 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 is it that you were looking at that wasn't excellent? Well, like dented prisms or uh, brassing or, you know, uh, light meter doesn't work, but otherwise in excellent condition. Well, OK, if the light meter doesn't work, it's not in excellent condition. Yeah. OK, fair enough. If, if the prism is dented, it's not in excellent condition. Yeah. Uh, it just, it just, it's mind numbing to, to see some of the descriptions on this. And, and you and, can't compare different places and different things like KEH bargain level stuff has been pretty good for me whenever I've bought like a uh-huh. piece or two where their excellent stuff is what other people would call like near mint or like new, you know? Right. Um, right. So you can't even it's compare. Just, it's just frustrating. Okay. Um, real quick, somebody asked us and I know you were traveling, so you're going to get to it next time, but I'm, I'm just going to get this out there. Okay. Favorite books of 2015. <laughs> Um, somebody asked about it. Facing change, uh, Surfsite tintype. Yeah. Which, you know where I got that? Uh, well, I sent you one and then. From, yeah, from you. Yeah, that's, from, what, from that's what I was going to yeah. say. Uh, and then, uh, Sam Faulkner's Unseen Waterloo. So Facing Change by Leo Ben David Vall, uh, Surfsite tintype, Joni Sternbach, who, if you're not following Joni on, on Instagram, do she posts really great work and and she's so sweet uh just just a a really nice person um so i'm looking forward to talking to her again and then unseen waterloo is sam faulkner's uh five-year project about the battle of waterloo photographing uh full-scale portraits of reenactors from from taken on the battlefield at waterloo terrific Yeah. yeah i like that one yeah, it's big. It's big. <laughs> I, I, w- I would love to see the the Thin Red Line edition. They have a, a, a limited edition of the book called the Thin Red Line edition. They only made, for your blood. Yeah, it's like a thousand pounds for this thing. Uh, th- I think they only made 25 copies, but it's bound in the same red wool 
that the soldiers wore in the Battle of Waterloo from the same mill that's been there since like 1732 or something. I don't know. I don't know if you could handle that kind of book. I I can't handle that book. And it's and it's <laughs> all embroidered in silver thread. I mean, it's just, the the photos of it that Sam sent are just stunning. So yeah. I can't imagine what what the thing looks like in person. But I'd be afraid to have something like that. That's I don't need that. <clears throat> Good stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll come up with a I'll come up with a list for next week. Yes. I'm so glad you got to go travel, though. That's that's uh, I want to see. Boston. I've been doing that's, that's, nothing but traveling. In the I know you you have been like <laughs> Billy on the move lately. Oh, God, I've been like all over the place. And yeah, and it's weird being back in Boston because, of course, I lived in Boston when I was in school and stuff. And sure. so and we were staying right around the corner from basically the old the main Berkeley building. And, and so you, I'm like walking around like my old haunts. Haunt. Yeah, cool. uh, it's, it's weird because like cool. Boston's this weird place that doesn't really change. Hmm. Um, it's like very sort of conservative in its ways. So everything was pretty much like it was, except you come around the corner, you're like, wait, that store isn't there. Or, you know what I mean? It's like one right. place is gone, but everything else is exactly the same. It's a little freaky. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was good. Well, I'm glad um, you got to go. That's cool. Th- thank you. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, where do you want to start? What do we got? <clears throat> Benjamin uh, B. Benjamin B. Is that is it Benjamin <clears throat> Button? I, I, I it, well, we should get to it before he becomes a child. Um, uh, I'm going through your episode, so you may have answered this. How did you guys both come to do the show together? Uh, well, Benjamin, it was uh, it was a court order, and um, oh wow! See how I romanticize it, and you make it criminal. See how it is. That's the difference between us, listeners. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we have answered this, but uh, the quick version is that. Uh, Jeffrey interviewed me for a thing a long time ago on Faded and Blurred, and then when I decided to start doing this show, uh, I uh, thought, "Hey, we had a good conversation, so let's uh, let's let's do that." He auditioned me. That's what I it did. Was. He auditioned me. He's like, "Hey, you want to read for this part?" <laughs> you know what I should do? I should put out the like, I should, like he's Coppola. <laughs> I, I, I should put out the other the other few episodes that I recorded. Yeah. Yeah. So then the uh, first episode was that was that reading. Essentially, yeah, right? Yeah. I think it was. And, uh, it's been love ever since. <clears throat> yeah, 197 years later. <laughs> uh, you got the next one? <laughs> All right, Andrew Shields. Uh, there seems to be a new trend in the most recent 4K-capable interchangeable lens cameras. I've been hearing a lot about video modes purpose-built to pull a high-quality still image. This is something that could be done with desktop software for years, but the steps needed... To do so was a bridge too far for most. Now with the function being completed in camera before export, is this the beginning of how the new, quote-unquote, decisive moment will be captured? In 10 years, uh, could we see a stills camera as merely a shooting mode on our 8K or 16K smartphone? What do you got? You know, I, I think that taking stills out of video is probably a useful idea for a lot of people, a certain a certain kind of pe- person for a lot of the time. But I also think that it pretty much just moves the decision further down the chain. And now you just yeah, have way too much stuff decision. to work with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So really, you're not shooting anymore. You're just like gathering raw data and editing later, which I guess is what we do now, but take that to the nth degree, you know, go up Mm -hmm. two or three Mm -hmm. orders of magnitude. Um, to me, I personally don't find that interesting. Um, because uh, I don't know, there's just something about it that changes. You know, if somebody knows that, for example, if you're doing portraits and somebody knows the entire time they're sitting there, they're getting shot 
as it were, in right, video. Right. They act differently than they do between shots in stills, you know? Sure. Um, it becomes like a reality television type thing. Yeah. And I yeah. don't know that that's necessarily, I mean, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's not a moral thing, but for me that, that makes it less interesting, you know, mm-hmm. cause then it, I mean, it's the ultimate spray and pray, right? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get a good picture. I just got to take six hours of video of Jeffrey, right. you know, and then that, I'll just, somebody has got to pour over that. Exactly. And, and yeah. maybe they'll come up with computerized systems that pull out the 16 best pictures like they do when you do the burst mode on phones nowadays and all that kind of stuff. But still it's, it's taking, it's taking what in, in, at least in my mind is the core decision of a photographer. And that is choosing the moment to capture. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's and, taking that out of it. You know, back in the day when photography first came out and people said, oh, it's, it's going to take over painting because now we don't need to paint anymore because now we have this photography thing, you know, which right, is basically right. perfect painting. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, in the sense that if what you were trying to do is exactly capture what was in front of the person, then, yeah, photography is a better tool. But that's not painting. You know, mm-hmm, you're doing something mm-hmm. completely different. And I think this is something completely different. Um I I know myself that, I mean, while I occasionally watch video, I don't record a lot of video on my phone to watch back later, you know? Right. Um, I just, it's like, it takes too much time to like watch video. It takes actual time, like whatever, whatever the length of the video is, you know? Um, I did, you know, I, 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 I've done some talking head video stuff in the past and sitting through two or three hours of somebody talking and trying to figure out, it's like, who's going to go through that stuff frame by frame, 24 or 60 or whatever frames per second. Like, I mean, yes, Andrew, you might be right. And that might be where it's headed, but like, I don't think that's going to kill stills. I think it's just going to be another shooting mode that no one uses or, you know, certain people use few people. Yeah. 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 You know, I don't think, I don't think that's going to like destroy stills. Um, and I personally don't think that it's a very interesting progression, but that's just me. Like I'm an old, I'm old school. I'm boring. I, I kind of look at, um, Phil Bloom. For, for things like this, for trends and, and where things are going. I mean, Philip has at his disposal some of the best both stills and motion cameras made, uh, but still approaches and thinks about them in very different ways. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's capturing a lot of 4K video, but to my knowledge is still using his 645Z to capture stills. Sure, yeah. And I mean, even, uh, you know, I noticed yesterday uh, somebody tweeted at us because the new X-Pro 2 specs are sort of coming out and the look of it's coming out and whatnot. And you made a comment. You're like, it's not interesting because it doesn't do 4K video. And I was just thinking, I was like, well, that's part of it. I know. I, I, know, I just think uh, sure. four years later, it's in the same case, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, a bump in. I mean, they did kind of the Apple iMac or MacBook Pro thing. They bumped up the speed a little bit, added a couple little features, but. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I bet you it's going to be way faster than your camera. But um, but like to me, I look at that camera and I go, that camera shouldn't even have video at all. Like, mm. that's not a video camera. You know, if you want to if you want something that shoots video, you're not buying an X pro. You know what I mean? Like, Probably. The, and it, it may, it, you know, I could be wrong about that. But just like my own gut reaction is like 4K video. I don't think it should have video at all because it's not going to be good at it because it's not it's not it's built in such a way. It's designed for still shooters, you know, and mm-hmm. adding that on just complicates things. Um so what, you know, I don't know. Um, so yes, I think that they will probably do this, but I don't know that it makes much of a difference. I, I could read be wrong. Somewhere Sony has a, a an 8K 
camera in the works already. Oh, I'm sure. Like video. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. In fact, well, I'm sure they I'm, I, they do. I'm I'm sure they do because JVC and all the rest of those guys all have they're all that sort of broadcasty 8K, 4K video kind of thing. I'm gonna try a little. I'm gonna try a short soon and just shoot it with my phone. Shoot it 4K on my phone and see what it looks like. Cool. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. Uh, Millie, let's see. What's your biggest fantasy as a photographer? Having Leibowitz's career, Kappa's, Cartier Bresson, Avedon, etc. Oh that, wow, that's a hard question to answer. Mostly because while we know the superficial strokes of, say, Kappa or Cartier Bresson or whatever's career. Th- I guess I guess if you're just asking superficially which career I would want, I, I could probably come up with an answer. But a lot of these people seem to have a whole lot of stuff going on personally that I wouldn't necessarily want to deal with. You know, I if I had to choose a, a fantasy as a photographer. Yeah. From what I know of of his work life, at yeah. least, I would love to to be sent on assignment for a month at a time like Kappa was. Oh, okay. I would, I would love to be, you know, somebody goes, okay, go here and, and collect stories and, and make photographs sure. for a month and then report back. Yeah. That would be pretty amazing where somebody is just, uh, uh, same kind of thing happened with Penn where they would send him and say, come back with a dozen pictures. Yeah. 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 You know, that, that I think would be, if I were going to be a, a professional photographer and, and my dream list, it would be to have that kind of freedom and have it, have it subsidized or, or supported by a magazine or, or, or some other entity. Yeah. I don't, man, I don't know who the hell I would choose. That's a good, that's a hard question. I mean, pen would be an obvious one. Uh, but she's not asking, she's not asking who would you choose? What's your biggest fantasy as a photographer? So is that, is that photographing the president? Is that, you know, getting a show at MoMA? Is that, you know, it could be anything. It's not necessarily having someone's career. Uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's meeting people that I find interesting, uh, taking what I think are not accurate, but, but true portraits of them. Um, and, and, and being able to make a living doing it. It's not that comp, you know what I mean? I'm not looking for, I don't need to make a million dollars doing this. I mean, over the course of my career, I would be fine making a million dollars of it, but I, I don't need to be fabulously wealthy from photography. Um, I want to enjoy the well, pictures that I take. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's never going to happen in this world. <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I, I, there's no particular person. I definitely don't want to be Annie Leibowitz because she also seems kind of like a nightmare. Um, so, I, I, you know, I mean, Dan Winters seems to have it pretty good. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, gets to do what he wants to do. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. That's a good one. I'll have to think about that one, see if I come up with something better. Um, uh, David Gardner. Yes. Uh, David Gardner. Do you mind if I post more pictures of Dan? Oh, David, come on. Really? No, I'm kidding. Do you think an appreciation for modern slash abstract art can be learned? I mean, I love a good Degas, Renoir, Constable, Caravaggio, but all this other stuff I just don't get. For example, Picasso, Warhol just leaves me rather cold and feeling somewhat left out like I'm the only guy in the room who doesn't get the joke. You are left out. <laughs> wow. All right, David Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the answer to this is you've been left out. Sorry, yeah. David. Um, no, I, I, I think you. We I need to be nice to Gardner because we made fun of him yesterday, last week's title. He was a good sport. He was. Uh, I, I think absolutely you can learn an appreciation. Ab- absolutely. Um, Go with somebody who appreciates it and see what they have to say about it. Yeah, I think that helps. Um, th- there are a lot of stuff that I, a lot of, a lot of work that I still don't get. Oh, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Warhol. I mean, like, I love me some Campbell's soup, but like, you know, a lot of it just it, 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 he's he's right. Like, makes me feel cold. Like, I'm not a Basquiat fan. Like, I don't get that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and it, I think it's important to note that you you can learn an appreciation. You can you can appreciate. A work or a collection of work yeah. from an academic, yeah, without standpoint. without enjoying it on like a absolutely on a personal aesthetic. It still level. doesn't strike you emotionally, right? You know? uh, yeah, the for example, uh, the the Rauschenberg stuff doesn't really do that much for me, but I appreciate it more now having talked about it with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so sure. And I think I, I, you know, as much as we've talked about Pollock, I think I am a fan of the process and 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 what he was trying to do more than the work yes okay sure like just the work in and of itself eh, okay but but the 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 whole it, it for me it encompasses the time period and and that group of other artists that he was working things out with yeah, yeah. and and what they were all sort of trying to do as a collective that ends up for me spilling over and and Pollock becomes the representation of all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the sort of yeah the 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 lightning in a bottle, the zeitgeist of that time comes through. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. he's sort of the poster guy for for all of that that was going on for me, and maybe unrealistically so. But yeah, Dave, I think you can you can you can definitely learn, you know, to appreciate what went into something, or or uh, you know, I like maybe maybe on the next OTP meetup. We'll just go to MoMA and we'll look at this stuff and see what people think. That would be pretty cool. Maybe we'll do that in January. You're coming that, up in January, aren't you? I'm coming up uh, the 28th. Yes. All right. So maybe we should figure that out. Yeah. 28th and 29th so far. Wait, that's what, what's the, what's that for? Gregory Crudson. Oh, that's the, show. I thought it was the 18th. No, 28th at the Gagosian. Okay. All right. So yeah, we'll figure that out. I would love to see Hamilton. I just started listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, have, I'm, have, have you seen it's it's sold out through August? Yeah, and yeah. the tickets you can buy are seven hundred dollars. Yeah, it's for ridiculous. the cheap seats. Uh, I, I will say uh, thank you to Andy Anatko who who posted a link the other day. Uh, you can get the soundtrack on Google Play. They they are DRM free MP3s. The the two disc set for buck ninety nine. Hey, that's a good deal. Yeah, it's a terrific deal. So I picked it up and I've been listening to it. It's fantastic. I had no idea. I'm very late to the game on this, but it's yeah. fantastic. Did you watch House? Were you a House guy? I was a big House fan, yeah. Okay, the the guy who does it is in remember in the beginning of I don't know, season 5 of House when he's in the when he's in like the funny farm when he's in the mental institution. Okay. He's stuck in the mental institution and there's the guy who's his roommate who's like super manic and yeah, yeah, gets yeah. up on stage and has a hard time rapping. That's the guy who did it. Oh. Okay. Yeah. He's the guy uh, who wrote the whole thing and is stars he, in it. It's it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Like I I I, I haven't liked. Hmm. You're, you're not I a musical. Ha- well, I haven't liked guy? something as much as this since Book of Mormon. That was the last. Oh, okay. Piece well, of, it's not of that musical. Long ago. No, no, it was a couple of years. Yeah. But uh, and I and I never saw that either. But I, I hope to get up there and see some things. Uh, let's see. Where are we? John Wilkening? No. Uh, oh no, we do. David we, Lawrence. Oh, David Lawrence. You're right. 
Uh, Bill Wadman, what do you do about nerves when making? Oh, no, here, look, let me ask this one because this okay, is towards sure. you. All right. Bill Wadman, what do you do about nerves when making a portrait? Is that something you get over or still struggle with? I feel like when I'm trying to make something with another person, my nerves take over and I forget all of the things on my to shoot list. It's like I rush through things just to get it over with. You ever feel that way? Like you're like, Ugh, or are you comfortable enough that, that you just you're a pro and you can get through it? I think that once you start and when you finish is often a bit of a blur just because you're trying to get so many things done at the same time. Um so it's sort of a, it's definitely sort of a, um, a flow kind of state where like once you're in it and you're doing it and you know you have an hour and you're shooting and you're talking and you're changing lights and whatever it is and it's over and you're like, whoa, an hour passed. It's like, wow, that went quick. Um, All right, let, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Who yeah. has been your most nerve wracking portrait to date? Who, who, who was it that you, you were, you were just a flutter Scared going into? to take pictures of? Yeah. Uh, and and how did what did you do? Part two of that question subsection uh, <laughs> is it better to burn out than to fade away? Uh, what did you do to get through it? How did you get through it? Okay, well let me let me uh, I'll answer that by answering his original question. Uh, I don't my normal shoot like if I'm just going to shoot somebody I don't really know some business person or whatever mm-hmm. I don't really get nervous anymore. I do, however, sometimes get nervous when things aren't working out the way I want them to be. Um, where I'm taking, or, yeah, I'm or taking pictures and, and it's just, it's like the light's not working or the guy doesn't look like I'm not looking at the pictures and seeing a finished photograph. I'm looking at them and going, that's just a crappy, that's a bad frame, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, mm-hmm. or this setup doesn't work or this guy's uncomfortable. I got to figure out how to loosen him up without trying to talk him into oblivion. Um, so there are those situations where it's like the, the, the fuse is burning and the bomb's going to go off at the end when the guy has to leave and I need to make sure that I have what I need when I leave. Um, so there are those moments where I get nervous and that's when it's more of a, um, uh, a rat race. Like, you're, you know, you're trying to sh- sometimes you end up rushing trying mm-hmm. to get what you need. Um, so so those are the times generally that I get nervous when it's not working out the way I want it to be. And there's a client on the line, you know. That that worries me, um, but that doesn't happen that often. But when it does, it's like, oh man, how the hell am I gonna pull this out? You know, um, who is the scariest person I ever, like, the most nerve wracking person I ever shot? Um, you know, I will tell you when I when I went, probably when I had to take when I shot Charlie Rose, that was pretty scary, just because mm-hmm. he's Charlie Rose. Sure, but I had thirty seconds to take pictures of him. You know, right, like, right, right, right. So I, it's like it was there, it was gone. Um, uh, I told the, when I took pictures of the Malcolm Gladwell and my lens broke right on the way Is that in the one walking in. Yeah. It fell yeah. out of the bag. Or yeah. Something? My 50 died yeah. on my way in. And so yeah. I had to shoot the whole thing on a 28. Um, that was nerve wracking just cause I'm like, Oh great. You know, uh, things aren't working at all. Um, mm-hmm. but as a general rule, I don't get that nervous anymore. I mean, I like, look, if somebody told me I had to go shoot Obama or something like that, I'm sure I'd get really nervous. Right. But the level of people that I'm generally asked to shoot, I don't really get that nervous anymore, but that's a lot of matter of just doing it so much that you do what you do. The person who's in front of the lens, it's not that they don't matter, but it's just sort of like the, the you're so used to doing it that the, the mechanics of it are automatic, mm-hmm. you know? Um, 
and and you're not changing it up so much with each shoot because you sort of you get into the not the routine not a rut but just sort of a you do what it is that you do and that's just you know people are hiring you because they've seen the stuff you've done before and they want you to do something in that general vein so it's not Mm -hmm. like you're going to change some lighting situation so completely different that it looks nothing like anything you've ever done before um yeah, usually when it, there's no time, that's when it gets scary. As long as there, it's like you know the old stories of like pilots. It's like you know you don't panic until you have no options left. Right, right. And it's like when when somebody says, "Okay, we have thirty seconds," and you still don't have the shot. Well, that's when you start to panic. Let, let me ask you something. Let me. I'm going to call an audible and insert a question here if you <laughs> yeah. don't mind. Uh, is 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 relying on the back of the screen solely on the back of the screen? Yeah. Ever ever a hindrance. As opposed to maybe shooting tethered, like do, do you do you have you have you done a shoot where you think you got it based on the back of the screen, but then you get home and you go ooh, uh, no, actually, usually it's the opposite. Where I look at the back of the screen, I'm like these pictures are terrible. Like on the way home, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just like flipping mm-hmm. through or during the shoot, but then I get home and I edit down from 150 down to 10, and I go, you know what? These four are pretty good. You okay. know, the, the, so the, usually it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, tethering is nice uh, because you can actually play with the file. If you're in a situation where you have you're you're settled in one place, and and you're, like when I did that the cover with that the piano player, uh, sure, Hirsch, at the club, you, yeah, yep, yep. So sure. so Dan was with me, and we shot tethered into Capture One, and it was nice because you could open up the shadows or pull the highlights down just to see what actually is in the file, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. better than you could just see like, Oh, okay. That, yeah, that works. Whatever. It definitely doesn't speed me up. It slows It gives you more information, but it slows you down. Cause then you're looking at another screen, mm-hmm. you know, which I generally don't want to do. Um, you know, that, that's a, that's a very, it's a very different pace of shooting than shooting without being tethered. To me, it doesn't help. Most of the time, I mean, it helps in a technical aspect when you're doing a more technical shoot that involves compositing and stuff, but, but not normally. Right. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's That's a good question. Uh, John Wilkening is a series which requires a whole series to be understood as requires the whole series to be understood as good. Use whatever descriptor you choose, uh, as a brilliant single image, which requires no context to be understood. Oh, okay. So if it's a good, if it's a good series, but you have to see the whole thing to see that it's good. Is that as good as an individual image that's good? Ooh. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I, th- I think this different. is kind of similar to the, uh, you know, the, the girls at the table thing that we yeah, talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about Which that. Which is probably I, where I, he's going. I think it's, uh, you know, f- for that girls at the table, uh, I think we were both pretty clear that had, had we seen some sort of context, we may have appreciated that more. Yeah. Um, but I, even- I, hmm, I still appreciate a, a brilliant single image. You know, yeah. and it, it, it just stands alone. If, if, if the, if the, yeah, the, the, you know what it is? It's in, in that example we gave, if, if each individual picture of those girls was a really strong portrait on its own, in our opinions, then that would be better. Like if I did not enjoy, I, I was not blown away by any of the individual portraits of that series personally, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. me. So maybe, it's one of those things where if, if the individual portraits in a series were really good, but not amazing, but there were 15 of them and they created something more than the individuals as a whole, you know, yeah. uh, then that could work. But yeah, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm old school. I go with you. 
I, I, it's not to I, say, I, it's not to say that it can't they can't be brilliant as a group. Right. I because somebody you know well you know what let's uh, those those Warhol soup cans you know when you see twenty five of them on the wall it's kind of slightly cooler than seeing one of them on the wall. But could you say the same thing about anything like that? Or, or sure, or, yeah, is, you probably is could. It, is, is, are the soup cans unique in that in that sense? And I don't I don't think they are. No. Um, uh, Tom Hoops posted a series yesterday on I think it was on Twitter. Was it Twitter or Facebook? I think it was Twitter. Anyway, uh, a, a guy that he met in a bar and found interesting, and he did this shoot in a hotel room, in in his kind of aesthetic and style and and any one of the photographs was terrific on its own sure but then you see this this sort of mini body of work and it does take on another dimension yeah like it's better as yeah okay it's better as a group for you i don't know that it's better it's it just takes on a new dimension if if you were to pick out any one of them and say you know what do you think of this i i would i liked every one of them but it's, it's sort of like listening to uh you know, uh, listening to a record that, uh, okay, uh, the first Counting Crows record. Yep. For me is one of the best debut records by any band, any time, any decade. Okay. And I love every song on that record, but it's so much more powerful and so much more emotive and emotional to me as a whole. Okay. Yeah, sure. And yeah. I, I think, I think that's, I that think music kind of, that definitely is true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like what, you know, how does, how does me saying the Beatles white album, that means more to you than, you know, right back in the USSR does. Well, look, look at uh, the, the pen, the pen show that was at the national portrait gallery. Sure. Yep. As a whole, eh, there were, I, I probably liked 60% of that show. A half. Yeah. You know, there were, there were so many individual pictures in that show that for me were much stronger than the whole. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe that's because I don't have the education, the, the, the art school education. I don't have the, the, the academic understanding of the significance of it, but just strictly on, on a, on a viewer, on a, on an appreciator of, of photography. I, I was, I was a little flat for, for almost half of them. I also feel like, a lot of big photographic exhibitions like that one, like the, what was it? Strand one that we saw. Oh, in that Philly. strand one. That became painful by the end. Yeah. It's, a, it's like, it's too much. Yeah. These things well, should be half as many photographs. pictures, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. hundred should be half the photographs. Yeah. I mean, I understand they're trying to be retrospectives and they're do this thing once every 20 years or whatever, but at a certain point it's like, you just become art blind. Um, I, I think that's true. And uh, I don't know, that's so maybe other people have much more. Um, uh, uh, what, would, what would the word be? Um, you know, are, are built up better, have more endurance to, to look at stuff. But after a while, I just go, OK, I can't even spend any time on that. I'm, I'm out. Um, anyway, just interesting. Um, Danny Levy, Levy or okay, Levy? This, what do you think? I think probably Levy. This is this is. This is probably my favorite question. Okay. In here. Do you like Mark Knopfler's music? Yes. <laughs> both both solo and with Dire Straits. He said, uh, I was just thinking to myself that 
had he been creating images in the same way he does music, he would have been an amazing street photographer. So many ways, the subjects he chooses, the stories he tells, the technical virtuosity, the control he has of his tools, improv, rawness, the show. Some music pieces are so well orchestrated, highly polished professional productions. They are the editorials, the magazine covers. Then there are these personal projects, thoughtful, subtle. Then you also have a lot of hits that are just like the kitsch Photoshop stuff we see everywhere. I guess my question is this. If, if which musician... If he was to be measured as a photographer, his music as images, would you like best? And which photographer, if his images were music, would you want to hear? Right. Wow, that's fascinating a, question, Danny. And, and almost impossible to answer. You, you, you have an answer to this? I do have an answer to this. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm able. Which, which musician, if he was to be measured as a photographer, his music as images, would you like? I don't know about best, but I'll, I'll give you three. Okay, three. Uh, okay, uh, David Bowie. Okay, because he he is his music and and his lyrics are so rife with with uh, allegory and and uh, mythology and and I think he could be a very he could be like a like a Man Ray or or some sort of experimental or 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 kind of out there photographer, right? Uh, Springsteen. His yeah, stories scenes is pretty obvious. Okay, I'll, yes, I'll go with his stories of of I mean he, he's talked about this at length that his music is about the disconnect between the American dream and the American reality, which is right. fascinating to me. Uh, and then uh, David Sylvian, uh, uh, former lead singer of Japan, um, because he collaborates with so many other people, uh, um, Bill Frisell, um, uh guitar player from uh, Robert Fripp. And and uh, uh, for years, Ryuichi Sakamoto. So it, it, him and he's one of my favorite musicians. So those three guys, uh, photographers, if his images were music. Ooh. Well, here, let me give you my musicians. Then while <clears throat> yeah. you think about all right, that. All right. Uh, Michael Penn. OK. OK. Joni Mitchell. Ooh, good one. And good Keith, one. Keith Jarrett. OK. What 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 do you what do you what do you surmise that that Keith Jarrett's photographs would look like? I have no idea, and that's why it fascinates me. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, for a guy who just sits down at a piano and improvises for an hour, yeah. Sometimes they are, you know, a a a harmonic jazz improv mess. Yeah. And sometimes they're beautifully composed pieces, and you never know what you're going to get, but they're large scale. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and so that it's sort of like, you know what? I have a blank canvas. You're going to watch while I make this thing. Wow. Good. Good. You know, um, Joni Mitchell, I think, is along the same the storyteller that you've been mm -hmm, talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Michael Penn just has a way with lyrics and stuff that I just think I, I love. I, I love the way he sings. I love the way he writes. He just has, you know, there's certain musicians or certain people that just just matches your aesthetic. Uh, yes. Yeah. He matches mine. Like yeah. I just, I've heard that he's a real jerk in real life. Oh, really? I've heard he's a pain in the ass to work with. Mm. Um, but, but he's, man, he's good. Yeah. See, I, um, I would go with David Sylvian for that, for that level. His yeah. lyrics are brilliant. Um, he, I, I have a book of his lyrics and I refer to them a lot. He just, the way he sets up imagery in, in songs is, is fantastic. All right. How about photographers going to music? Oh, I'd, I'd have to go Avedon because his images as one of them, Avedon's images, especially in the forties and fifties in Paris, 
that would be just fantastic sort of cabaret kind of jazzy, maybe even some bebop. Uh, and then later on in his career, especially the photos of his father and maybe even the white portraits would be, you know, more sort of, I don't know, introspective kind of radio heady, I okay. think. Okay. Um, so that would be one. Um, I think I think lighter would be amazing. Again, these just city sounds like a, a, a great New York City quartet background music to work to. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. You know, uh, and maybe Fred Herzog for the same reasons. Uh, I think I'd have to go for Kurtesh. Ah, uh, okay. Just because, okay. I mean, there's just sort of the angles. Uh, something about it that just kind of always gets me. And you'd, you'd be listening to French cafe music, smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. Maybe, but I think it would be a little bit more aggressive than that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, man, that's, these are hard questions. These yeah. are deep. Good one, Danny. Um, all, right. all right. Tom Fowler. You, you ready for this one? Yeah, go ahead. You ready for this? Yep. Oh, God. This, this one goes on forever. <laughs> all right. Hold on. I got to take, take a deep breath. <laughs> uh, Tom Fowler. Uh, what are your thoughts on the industry as a whole? I know there's no right way to become a successful photographer, much in, much in part due to the fact that everything is so fractured. I find myself thinking that photography is better as a side business versus a sole source of income. I see many people that I admire, Art Strieber, Frank Oakenfels, Miller Mobley, Dan Winters. Wow, good list. Wow, great list, Tom. Uh, have their images in magazines uh, that don't, doesn't necessarily mean that they are making an insane amount of money, and some even admit that they aren't. With the new contract changes that Time has made to all of its associated magazines, I find myself saying, what's the point? I love photography and I've spent a lot of time honing my craft, but all I see is photographers making money by other means rather than taking photos itself. As much as I love photography, my love for the craft isn't going to feed my kids. I have no delusions of being the next great photographer, but I would love to think that in this day and age that photography is something that I can make a living at, but the evidence I see does not support it. My question is do you think that it's better to do photography on the side so that you can be able to shoot what you want and hone your vision or to have to do a bunch of stuff that you may or may not be excited about shooting? The reason I'm asking is because I just don't want to waste my time chasing something that I find years down the line that is unattainable. That's exactly what happened when I did weddings and decided that the money was good, but it wasn't making me happy or fulfilling me creatively. I'm not saying that I would ever quit photography, but it's a matter of managing my own expectations and goals. Thanks for your time. <sighs> Damn. Tom. Tom, 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 Tom. Mm, dark. Right. That's a, <laughs> if, that's a, if that were coffee, that's some dark roast right there. Uh, yeah, sure. Keep it as a side thing, you know. Um, I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I think that if you're crazy enough to want to do it full time on whatever you think are your own terms, um, you're a little bit of a dreamer, you know? Yeah. There, uh, there are going to be compromises. Yeah, there have and, to be compromises. And, and, and I mean, I personally, I feel like I live a little bit, I, I, I've been able to balance on that knife's edge between, making enough of a living to do what I need to do. And then at the same time, not 
do the kind of stuff. What does he say down here? He says, you know, doing the kind of bunch of stuff you may not be that may or may not be that excited about shooting. Like most of the time when people are hiring me, I'm excited to do the shoot, you know. But um, if, if let me ask you this. Yeah. If the portraits weren't paying the bills. Yeah. And I had to shoot weddings or something. Would would you? No, well, I would not shoot weddings. <laughs> would you do something else entirely? So that the portraits could stay portraits or would you would you expand the net and shoot more than portraiture to pay the bills? Uh, I'd probably lean towards doing something else to pay the bills mm-hmm. um, personally, mm-hmm. but just because mm-hmm. I, I don't really like shooting a lot of other stuff. Um, but but I think that I think that it's perfectly fine to enjoy doing it and keep it on the side and do something else. Um mm-hmm. I, I think that it's I think it's a it's a it's a tough place to be. I think that somebody who has kids and a mortgage and whatever it is and like needs some sort of stability, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of the artists I know are uh, even if they are like in a partnership or married or whatever it is, have somebody else who has a more stable income so that it smooths out the rough spots and that sure. kind of stuff, you know, sure, sure. That happens all the time. Um well, and I, I think with any creative endeavor, where we're at now is you're going to have two. Uh, you're going to have two sort of streams. You're going to have the art stream. You're going to have the product stream. And yeah. the, the doing the product in quotes allows you to do the art. You know, it, it's kind of like actors that you know they'll they'll do three uh, uh, you know rom coms or action flicks. So yep. they can do go an do art the movie. indie upstate or whatever. Yeah, yep. yeah, sure, yeah. Or and they I, can do theater upstate or whatever. And I think that there's a, a lot of that. And I think that the, the, there are the examples where you see some photographer and you're like, oh, so and so started taking pictures yesterday, and now he's shooting for such and such, and he's made all this money. And you know, there are sure. always going to be the the breakout people who you know either are really good, get lucky, know the right people, what, whatever the combination of those things are. But on the other side of that, you and I both know people that have been shooting for 25 years who are going, "Hmm, I may need to do something else." Yeah, where did all my work go? Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And and I think part of this is also a lifestyle thing, you know. I mean, if you if you get yourself in a situation where you feel like you need a big house and 2.2 cars and your kids need to go to camp in the summertime and that kind of stuff, like your need, your, you, you sort of, I feel like you can also build your life to match your means. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that everyone needs to do this or does do this, but like there are things that I don't do because I would rather enjoy doing what I do as opposed to having enough money to whatever, you know, houses in New York city are a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars to buy a house, you know? So you know what? Maybe I, who knows? Maybe I will never be able to own a house. You know what I mean? If, if I stay in New York, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm okay with that. Where if your goal was, I, I, I have to own where I live and it's a, you know, home ownership means so much to me. It's like, well, it doesn't mean that much to me. So mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I'm willing to, the, the, you know, so your, your goals have to match your dreams. Sure. Um, and so I think be in the same league. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, and, and I think for somebody like me or people like me, it's like, you know what? If at the end of this thing I end up and what what is the term he uses? I don't want to t- waste my time chasing something that I find years down the line is unattainable. It's like, well, maybe 15 years from now I will find that I never you know, got to where I wanted to go or made a big splash in the industry. Maybe, I don't know, who knows? But for me, I'd almost be okay with that. I'd rather do that than not having tried, but that's sort Mm -hmm. of like that Mm -hmm. sort of dreamer mentality, right? Sure. Um, And that's just a different way of looking at it. Um, So anyway, interesting. 
It's a good question. It's a deep question. Yeah, Maybe we'll question. spend some more time on that some other time. Okay. Uh, Matthew Austin, with the new year fast upon us, many of us will be making resolutions and plans to do some sort of year-long photo project. Video 366, it's a leap year after all. Uh, P52 or otherwise, for my own part, I was hoping to do a portrait of someone new each week this year. What advice would you give to somebody starting out on one of these for the first time? I'm, I'm going to let you take that because I have never done one, nor do I plan on doing one. Yes. Yeah. I've done many of these things. Um, uh, the, the, the trick is to remember that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Um, and get your first few portraits lined up so that you know that you have the first month not ready to go to put out, but like booked, you know what I mean? So if you're shooting people on, on, you know, each week, it's like, make sure you have somebody like, Hey, you're in the third week or whatever. How about we shoot on Tuesday, the 17th or whatever. Um, so that, you know, it's, you're not like searching for somebody each week, which is, can be a, lo- a big part of the process for those kinds of things, that kind of stuff. And then just don't let yourself fail. You know, <laughs> daily just- has to be just, I mean, Jesus, that's, that's, that's a, that's a tough one. It's, it's a full-time job. Yeah. Weekly. I mean, I could, I guess I could see weekly because I'm, I'm, I I would love for process driven to be a weekly show. Yeah. So that's kind of. You could get that to weekly, couldn't you? I think so. I mean, there, there are, as I'm looking at the board, there are 19 people so far on the list. Is Candid Frame weekly? Or almost uh, weekly? I think it's almost weekly. Yeah. I mean, he does essentially like 40 or 50 a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it can certainly be it's done. It's just, you know, it's tough like anything else, yeah. like like you with with uh, the Drabble series when it when it's when it's not just you in the mix. Yeah. I mean, if it's oh, yeah. OK, you have to go out and take a picture every day. OK, that's one thing. Yeah. But when you have to portraits. Oh, my God. Yeah. When you have to source yeah. not only a subject, but then figure out a setting yeah. and lighting. Yeah. And when when there's collaboration involved. Yeah. That becomes, you know, yeah, or scheduling become, and that kind of stuff is as big of a pain in the butt as anything. Uh, sure. 365 portraits is a nightmare. I mean, even Drabbles, I did the first 32 one day each and I did the post and we're posting them each day too. Right. So that was crazy. Um, but that's, you know, but, it, but it's also fun when you're in the middle of that stuff and you look back and there's like a real sense of accomplishment that you don't get from other stuff. Sure. Um, I think they're great. In fact, you know, it's like 366. It's like, huh, maybe I should do another daily portrait project. And it's like, well, I have three days to decide, you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, make it happen, Captain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, you know, just uh, you just got to dive into it and figure out what the what the right. Maybe you should go all Keatley and do 366 iPhone portraits. Yeah, I could do that. That wouldn't be very fun for me. No. All right. Uh, you good? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Robert, uh, I'm not sure if you've already talked at length about it, but I'd love to hear about how you decided that you deserve to be paid for what you do. Even with a couple weddings booked for next year and a few other jobs here and there, I still get imposter syndrome pretty hard. How do you get past it or do you? What do you think? Um, well, you know, you got to get paid for something. So yeah. it, it might as well be doing what you dig. It's an interesting. Or you might as well try to get paid for doing what you dig. The weird thing about what you and I do to make money is that other people would do it for free. However, if we were an accountant or swept floors or what have you, no one does. No one's an accountant for free just because because they like doing it for fun. I don't think that I deserve. Look, me and personally, 
deserving. That's an issue that I've well, struggled with. Deserve is a hell of a word, right? Yeah, what does it's an mean? issue that I've struggled with since childhood. I, I, my sense of self-worth is probably not the barometer by which you want to gauge yours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that fair? No, you and I've yeah. talked at length sure. about Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I, I, my whole thing about what I deserve, whether that's happiness or success or stability or, or uh, that's way out of whack. So, so... You know, I am I am appreciative. I am I am thankful. I I proceed from a space of gratitude that 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 I do get to enjoy what I do and get paid from it. There's always room for improvement. Yeah, I don't know how long it lasts, but until such time as it it's no longer a possibility, I'll keep trying to make it happen. Yeah, my 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 biggest hurdle is not around deserving to be paid for it. It's figuring out how to get paid for it because uh, I am not yeah. good at asking for money. I'm not good at, at, you know, selling myself. That's, that's a tough one for me. Yeah, I agree. Same with me. You um, know, Hey, you should really come on board and pay me to do, you know, that's, I am the not- photography world is really strange because there are, there are people for whom they think it's going to cost a hundred dollars and people who think it's going to cost $10,000 and the same exact picture might be two orders of magnitude price difference, depending on who the client is mm-hmm. and, and who like, the photographer is and the, who the photographer is for the exact same picture, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, it's frustrating because there are no standards of payment. There are no standards of price. There are no, you know, so you feel like you're always uh, just grasping at different things. When people write me and they say, oh, you know, uh, you know, I'm a, I don't know, let's say I'm a, I'm a saxophone player working on this project and like I need pictures for my album cover. And it's like, you know, it's some guy who makes $50 to go play sax for the night. Like, right. I can't charge him so are you three gonna, grand for it. You yeah. know what I mean? Are you like, going to charge him the same as you would a cover? Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I, I you know, I got to do, but at the same time, I want to help the guy out if I can, if I think he's a nice guy or, or I think the project sounds interesting or hell, I got nothing else going on that day. Why not make $400, you know? So but is that is that part of the problem that there that is 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 that practice part of why there are no standards? And I don't know. This is a bigger. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. But at the same time, there are people who really just couldn't afford to do it at all if it weren't mm-hmm. for more flexible rates, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's it's it's but the in, imposter syndrome, I get imposter syndrome all the time, mm-hmm. all the time, you know. Um, I think everybody does at, sure. at the highest level on down. Everybody. Yeah. It was interesting. Somebody was saying uh, something I was reading. I think it was that thing that Gardner or somebody put up yeah. where they were saying, you know, it's weird. The, the whole idea of like deserving stuff. It's like if you're not getting what you deserve, you're angry at the world for not getting it. But then if you get more than you think you deserve, then you get imposter syndrome and you get angry. You know, you're upset because you think you're above where you're supposed to be. Right. When the goal of where you were, quote unquote, supposed to be is all in your head anyway. So like w- whether whether you haven't reached it or you've gone for further than it, you're you're still screwed, you know, yeah. even when yeah. it was an yeah. arbitrary deadline in the in the first place. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a hard one. Good one. Thank you, Robert. But it is, however, not a bad title. Uh, justice. 
<laughs> this is okay. After years of winter weather taunting by Rancho Cucamonga Jeffrey, Bill, are you annoyed that that Washington D.C. Yes. Jeffrey is not <laughs> suffering through a proper freezing Christmas this year? Yes, <laughs> he'll he'll get the cold soon. <laughs> Although I keep trying to tell that when you were just like, I I think I got to send sell my Honda and get a four by four. I'm like, you live in D.C. You're not going to get that one. much snow. No, it's I just want one. I yeah, just want to be up higher. But then but then you got to park it. You know, in the city, which stinks. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just putting it out there. Worth it. Uh, yes, I I am. I'm a little annoyed. I want the <laughs> he's, world... He's going to be very excited when I'm snowed, when I call him and go, hey, I can't even leave the house. Yes, I am. He's going to jump for I want joy. You, I want Jeffrey to go on his morning constitutional and just get, like, pummeled by six feet of snow. <laughs> just once. I mean, he's my friend. I love him. I don't want him to die or anything. But it would be fun if he thinks he might die for, like, oh, a moment or two. <laughs> Wow. I think we just had a breakthrough. <laughs> Florian Deal. Uh, my question now is, uh, when does one know when he has enough gear? I'm not talking about the latest and, new, latest and newest tech. I'm talking about the number of tech items in the camera bag or suitcase. Did you ever get the, have the feeling that you should, you should use all, the gear, all your gear more, get more active in another field of photography, whatever, just to use the stuff that you've accumulated over the years? Thoughts? Uh, I, I remove photography and look up, I don't know, recording gear or painting gear. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if it's, if it's photography, no, because I have two cameras and two lenses. Yeah. Well, three, three lenses. Um, I, you know, I, I, I tend to only buy the things that I am going to use. I, I am, I am not a, I'm not a, an accumulator. If I accumulate anything, it's, uh, video games. I have so many games that I probably will never even get to play. But if if they're, you know, on sale or if I see them, like the 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 Steam Winter Sale is going on right now, and it's awful because there are so many things that I'm just like, ooh, I should get that, but I'm never going to play it. But it's they're, on sale. They're, hey, they're putting out the new Tomb Raider on PC in a few weeks. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm really excited <laughs> about that. That was a it was a I think a 90 day exclusive. I think you're going to need it. You're going to need new card. Well, the last one was terrific. Okay, the what, last. What, two what video card are you using right now? Uh, uh, sixty-eight fifty, which is blech. but okay. Here's the thing: I wanted to get an R nine three eighty, sure. but there, there are problems with uh, our machines. Uh, the three eighty apparently works okay, from what I was reading. Out of the box, I know it worked on Yosemite, but El Cap. There was. Oh, some- is it still? Oh, we'll have to do some research. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't accumulate a lot of like physical thing. Well, actually, I take that back. I like pencils and pens, and and I have, I have uh, probably an obscene amount of field notes, notebooks. Yeah, you uh, you have the notebook thing. Yeah, and books. Okay. Well, yeah. so, so see you. Scratch, you accu- yeah. See where I don't scratch I, all that. <laughs> I don't get books. I don't have notebooks. Um, I don't even buy that much gear. Like I haven't bought. I didn't buy anything this year. In fact, I have nothing to write off gear wise. Huh. Um, which is actually a little bit of a problem. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't really well, you've need. Got a few days. Go buy some stuff. I know. I'm gonna, actually I'm gonna buy. Uh, I'm gonna buy a Drobo and another four terabyte drive. So nice. I'm going to make that move this week. Nice. Um, but but there is a certain amount of, I don't know, you know, yes, is there a feeling like I should use the gear I have more? Yes. Um, but I don't, I'm not one of those guys who buys 
a new piece of gear because he thinks that it's going to like open a whole new corner of photography for me, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or rather maybe I used to be that guy like years ago. I remember when I was, a, when I was younger with say computer stuff and I used to meet like older people who were into computer stuff and I'd be like, Oh, you know, what kind of computer you have? Like I've got a whatever. And, and they had something two years old, which to me is like a teenager felt like two years old. Like how right. the hell are you even using that right. two years old? You know? Where now I'm getting to the point with my gear where it's just like, you know what? Yeah, there's newer, quote unquote, better stuff out there. But right. I don't need any of that stuff. You know, it's like I'm very rarely swayed by marketing materials or, or new gear. That sure. comes I mean, there's sure, stuff sure, that sure. makes me salivate a little bit, but nothing that blows me away, you know. Um, so I guess my friend Mark and I used to <clears throat> used to chase each other building computers. Right, exactly. He'd, he'd build a new machine, then I'd have to build a new machine. Right. Then, then you, you, you know. and I did that a little bit. To, yep, like, yep. In we're, the we're actually we're due we're, for we're new. We're well machines. due for new machines. Yeah. yeah. But at yeah. the same time, there's nothing about my machine. By the way, hey, quick aside, I took apart my mother's 2008 iMac, 20 inch mm. iMac, and mm-hmm. I put an 850 Evo in it. Ooh. <laughs> Nice. Took out the the crappy super slow two hundred fifty six two hundred fifty gig spinner. Put yeah, a two hundred fifty probably fifty four hundred RPM. Spinner actually, it was seventy two, but it wasn't Is it very, really. Yeah, I think it was actually. Um, but I put this thing in new computer, like oh, usable. Where yeah. before it was not usable. It was yeah. amazing. It was yeah. like wow. So anyway, if anybody's Get got an, an SSD, iMac, kids. <laughs> Unbelievable. That should be your upgrade if you and haven't it was done it yet. $77 for the SSD. Yeah, it's crazy. Plus, now. like, you know, I had to buy uh, um, uh, suction cups and stuff to get the screen apart and whatever. Anyway, anyway, just a little aside, it was it worked good. Um, so, Florian, you're talking about the you're talking to the wrong guys when it comes to that. Although I do believe that that does happen in general, you probably need half the stuff that's in your camera bag and maybe realizing that you have too much stuff in your camera bag will make you sell some of it and then go down to a smaller kit, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, next, how are we you get on time? We go, we good. Yeah, we're fine. Okay, cool. We're, uh, we're an hour and 10 minutes in. We can finish this up. We only have a few more left. All right. Uh, justice, uh, number one, Ooh, three, four parter. Ooh, Gosh. All right. Overachiever. Uh, I keep hearing about Bill's last few slices of Polaroid 55 from even his first interview with Jeffrey. Yeah, we talked about that way back then. They're sitting uh, in my fridge. I'm whatever use happened them. to them. I'll yeah. use them in January. How about that? All right. All right. Uh, number two, uh, it's been the year of the selfie stick for Bill. What is his long view review. Uh, I do not use a selfie stick. <laughs> I, ha- right. I own a selfie stick. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was, I was taking a picture of Conrad and I uh, up in Boston the other day, holding my hand, holding my arm out and taking a picture with my phone. Mm-hmm. And I was like the arm, the original selfie stick, you know, it's like, right. sure. Um, and working I mean, fine for years. Exactly. And, and it's, you know, yeah, I'm, as a general rule, I am anti selfie stick except for making jokes about selfie sticks. I mean, I'm sure there there are weird artistic reasons where it's actually kind of neat, but walking around with a selfie stick I find disgusting. I uh I was walking into the the museum uh I think what 2 weeks ago or a week ago or something to see Hugh and there was a, a guy in front of me had a GoPro on a selfie stick and uh the uh just walking just, around taking video no, 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 walking through security. Okay. And this the 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 uh the guard was like, "Man, you can't use that here." And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, you can't use that here. He's like, well, but he's like, no, man, you can't use that here. Yeah. He's like, man, this is a Smithsonian. <laughs> Put away the goddamn selfie stick. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, number three in subsection 42 of Justice's question. <laughs> this is a good one. Uh, when I first started listening to the podcast, I heard that Bill doesn't drink alcohol or coffee, true, which made me assume that he was Mormon false. <laughs> <laughs> Has that mistake ever happened with other people? Did you ever think that I was Mormon? No, I just thought you were weird. Yeah, exactly. That's what most people think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't drink coffee because I don't like the taste of coffee. It's too bitter. I think I'm a bitter super taster. I also don't like dark chocolate. Ugh. Oh, uh, in fact, okay. Well, that, I, that makes that, that makes the coffee thing a little more. Yeah. In fact, in fact, the, uh, in fact, the <laughs> other day I actually grabbed, we went to, Conrad used to go to a certain ca- uh, uh, place in Cambridge called 1369 up in, up in Boston. Okay. And Is so this we, a coffee place? Yeah. It's a coffee yeah. place that okay. she used to go for morning stuff. And uh, she always talks, oh, 1369, 1369. So we went and she got like just a small coffee. And I was like, give me that. You know, and I like took a swig and I was like, yeah, I still don't like that. <laughs> you huh. know? All um, right. And I don't drink because oh. I have a lot of alcoholism in my family, my father, my uncle, my grandfather. So I just always felt it safer just not to start. Uh, although I don't really like the, I mean, I've tasted everything. I don't really like the taste of much. Every once in a while, like a little sip of beer is all right. But like. It doesn't really do anything for me. So that's what those things. But uh, I don't know. People often mistake me, uh, think that I'm Jewish, actually. That happens. Wadman, because I guess there's oh, like yeah, a okay. lot of man at the end of, you know, silver man and that kind of stuff. Ah, but okay. I'm, I'm not. Um, you do drink soda, though. So that, that, negates I do drink, the, uh, that nixes the Mormon thing. Yeah. Oh, do, the Mormons don't even drink soda? They can't drink. No, nothing, nothing caffeine, uh, uh, stimulant, that kind of thing. <laughs> What's the fun in that? Well, uh, I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. So no. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> okay. Uh, and a more serious question. Yeah. Last one. You have both. Well, last one from from Justice. You have both talked about some pretty deep personal stuff on the air, uh, which is really good for the show. But this past week, I remembered that once I had a hard time opening up in my small grad school video art studio with people I was all familiar with. So I guess the question is, why are you so open and how do you get over the hurdle or embarrassment of putting yourself out there to a bunch of strangers? Do you think if we knew that thousands of people were like sitting, listening to us live, like, in, like if we were in Madison Square Garden on stage and there were thousands of people sitting there watching us, do you think it would be harder, easier no. or the same? Same. No. I, I this look, I have to do this the way I do it because that's that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. Being authentic is interesting. Being yeah. honest is interesting. And and if I'm if I'm honest uh with with my life, then maybe that maybe that reassures whoever I'm talking to that that it's this is a safe space and and we can have an honest conversation and it's not a space of of judgment and I'm not using you for ratings or or likes or click-throughs or whatever that that I just want to have a genuine conversation and if I'm if I'm having a conversation with you I'm interested in you. Yep. Agreed. You know, um one of the one of the things that I just recorded for PD was a very deep conversation and very personal conversation with someone who I've you know wouldn't have expected that from, but right. it was, it was, it was good. And, and it, I think it makes, I, I think it makes it more interesting to the listener and it makes it more relatable because look, all of us are going through this shit, whatever, whatever shit you're going through, I can guarantee you somebody else is going through, has gone through yep. or will go through the same thing. Yep. So, so why hide behind it? Yep. 
You know, you and and for you and I personally, we've been this way since the very beginning. Yep. I mean, both on the air and off, there are there are, to my knowledge, no boundaries to what we talk about. No, no. And and I think that's one of the and reasons. There are very few things we don't talk about on air. Yeah, and and it's it's see one of the other things you guys have to have to realize is <laughs> we're crazy. We yeah we've only we've only met in person was it two. Twice or three times? What, now? Now we've yeah. met like six times or something. Okay, but but yeah, until I moved to D.C. Oh, uh, two or three? Two or three times. So it's not, you know, I, I consider you one of my best friends because of the conversation, not because we share the same room. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and fact, I, think, I don't like you at all in person. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You, you really get on my nerves. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And But I, but I think that, the, I, I don't know, I... I don't mind talking about personal stuff because I think that a lot of it bothers me when people hide things about themselves in order to put on a certain mask. That's always bothered me in other people. Let me, around let me, me ask you this. Is there anything off limits? Is there anything where if if we started down some road or if I asked you, is there anything and you don't have to say what it is? Yeah. But is there anything that you would that you would go? uh eh. We're, we're getting into an area that I don't I don't feel comfortable with. The, the, the only areas would be things like about my relationship with, say, Conrad, just because I, I'm only half of that relationship and I don't know what she necessarily. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's sort mm-hmm. of a well, that's not really it, I, that's not my right to talk about, you know, alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like things about me, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's because it, it, if you if there are actual limits, I mean, there are mental limits where we're talking about something and something makes me uncomfortable, which I'm sure happens to you, too. Absolutely. But but those are sort of just, you know, my own brain pushing back, not like a conscious decision to put up a stone wall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You, you maybe can't reconcile an answer or you don't know how you feel about something. Yeah. But it, it's sure. not a conscious. I don't want to talk about this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, Good question. Alan, what ge- I, so I've been thinking about this one, the answer to this one. I, I did this is yeah, okay. Go what on. gives a medium format photo that medium format look? Is it purely the size of the sensor and if that's the case uh and if that's the case, can you get the medium format look with something like a 50 megapixel 5DS? Is it the glass, depth of field, some crazy ratio of the size of the sensor to the glass, the size of the pixels, the light gathering? But medium format photos seem to have a certain look and I'd love to know why. Um you have an answer or do you, you I well, I've always been under the impression, and please jump in and correct me, but it's it's a multiple things. It's the size of the photo sites because you're dealing with with a larger source image or you're, 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 uh, 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 source sort of pixel size. Yeah, arguably. Um, yeah. Uh, there's there there is going to be uh, something to do with bit depth. I mean, if you're capturing at 16 versus 12 or 14, that's going to contribute to it. Yeah. Um, Maybe the relationship of 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 the size of the glass to the size of the sensor or the film. I, I don't I don't really yeah. know. Those are all things that I would imagine the, or assume. Yeah. There, I mean, there's differences in uh, if if you have something in focus and you're sort of wide open on the lens or close to wide open, the the sort of the the curve at which focus falls away on different formats changes, which is you know where 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 things get more out of focus more quickly. On certain formats, you know what I mean. The curve kind of changes, okay, uh, and that that is part to do with it. Um, with digital medium format, up until recently, was exclusively CCD, which is a different sensor mm-hmm, technology, mm-hmm. Um, which some people argue has a different color palette 
that some people like than CMOS um, does. Yeah, okay. I but I, but at the same time, all these things are true. But at the same time, I've sort of come around to the idea that it's it's that the people who are using medium format cameras tend to be more accomplished photographers in the sense that they need to know more to shoot with medium format. So therefore their pictures are better because they're better photographers. And I'm wondering if that's as much of it as anything else, you know, um, because like, for example, there, I mean, there's the new CMOS censored, the, the, the Pentax, for example, or the, the new Hasselblad or, or, or phase backs that use the same 50 megapixel Sony sensor. It's like, well, those still feel, look and feel like medium format, and, but you know, is it is it that or the fit? But that sensor isn't that much bigger than a regular thirty five sensor. I think it's like one point eight times the size of a, a thirty five sensor. It's not like it's a six four, uh, like a, a full six four five or a mm-hmm, six seven mm-hmm, or six six mm-hmm. sensor. Um, there's also the idea that a lot of those CCD sensors look crappy at anything other than ISO fifty or ISO one hundred. Like they don't they don't go into lower light so people would have to light things more carefully in order to get the picture they want. So therefore, you see what I'm saying? They're taking yeah, more care yeah, yeah. into lighting the whole thing. So I'm, I'm wondering if it is as much to do with the preparations with the, with the photo, with taking the photograph that are, are sort of part and parcel of the limits of the technology up until recently. All right. So um, let me ask you this to, to, to the second part of Alan's question. If you've got uh, a six four five, a Pentax six four five on a tripod next to a uh, the the five DS. Yep. Same lighting conditions, same subject, same exposure. Are you telling me that there's not going to be a difference in the look of the files purely based on the tech? Well, it, like, like oh, so if I had a six if, right, so if I had a six four five Z and a and a five DS on the on the things right next to each other, sitting sitting right next to yeah. each other, and, shooting and you, the same. And you portrait. did the ratio, and and well, it depends if you, if you're looking at them at a hundred percent on screen. I don't know. Maybe the bigger photo sites of the six four five Z would give a slight advantage, but like if you printed them, I don't know that you'd know the difference. You know, or I think if you did a blind test, I don't know that you'd know the difference. Um. I, I think I, re- I I I mean people have done it before. I've done it before. I did a I did a thing where I shot the same picture in with medium format with a with a six four five um, what was it a, a P sixty five plus back on my Hasselblad a P sixty five plus back on a Phase one body uh, uh, Hasselblad with film large format and my five D two I think it was and. If you line them up next to each other and tone them to look similar, I mean, yeah, there's differences, but there's not like, oh, that one's definitely the best. You know, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. just look they just look different. So I think it, I think it comes to care and it comes to the photographer and it is great tech, but that's not going to fix things for you. Right. Uh, I don't okay. know. I'd, let me think about that one some more. But that's a good one. Uh, Brian Carey. Wait, is this you or me? You. So you want to read that? Yes. Uh, can we can we not? Sure. Do that uh, one. Yeah, what's uh, what's 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 the first one here? Uh I'm interested in hearing more about how you made the jump oh. from your 9 to 5 into photography. Yeah, yeah. Uh are, are you able to provide some insight into how you handled sure. the switch? I Yeah, I didn't have a corporate job at the time. I was freelancing doing art direction and stuff and computer crap. Um so there was a period of time where I did a little bit of both, but pretty much from early 2007 on, I was majority photography. Unless somebody came to me and said, Hey, 
do you want to build this site or design this thing or or build out this thing in Flash for us? Because we got no one else to do it. And I was like, well, I've got time. I might as well do it for fun. Right. Um, so for me, I was already freelance for, well, since 2000. So for me, it was less of a transition than for probably a lot of other people. I mean, if you went from a corporate job to that, that would be harder. Um, right. But I was already sort of living that lifestyle of a little money from here, a little money from there, this client, that client, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We could, you know, we would do this. Uh, now that F&B is done, what happened to Nikki? Uh, she is in Siberia. <laughs> no. Hi, Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> da, Nikki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Nick is in Portland pursuing her master's in education. She's going to be a school teacher. And kind, I think kind of she, being a badass. Yeah. She's, she's like taking no taking names and kicking ass up there um so that is what she's doing and i can't wait till she's done it's going to be awesome uh she is teaching little little kids like you know kindergarten and second grade and first grade and like little oh, the crazy ones uh fmb is done fmb is done but maybe not bum 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 right right uh thinking about uh Re- relaunching, re- resurrecting Fit and Blurred as more of a collaborative space. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't want to steer that ship anymore, but I do want to be on the boat. Well, it's so. both faded and blurred, so you got that going for you. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> all right, next. We've got a few more, then we got to get to our thing. We're running all right, over. All right, all right, all uh, right. Dwayne Christensen, Christensen, number one, have uh, either of you made arrangements for the disposition of your work after you're gone? I realize that this is really sad and depressing and no, I'm just kidding. I realize this is probably more pertinent for Jeffrey at this stage in life. <laughs> Great. Uh, case in point. The him, mo- thanks, Dwayne. Give him more yeah. ammo. That's that's what uh, that's what we need. Uh, the bulk of my work is generally photojournalism style coverage of school events, marching band, track meets, basketball games, after prom parties, etc. It's n- nothing outstanding art wise, but I wonder if it might be of historical value to the district after a certain number of years and whether I should bother splitting all that work out on its own drive. So at the end of the event of my death, it could easily be bequeathed to a school district. Uh, I don't work for the district of newspaper, so ownership is free and clear mind. Uh, yeah, that seems actually like a good idea. I was sure. the whenever I go to that hill country place we went that for with the oh, group stuff that barbecue place. Yeah, but in the bathroom they always have like pictures of say the football team in Lockhart, Texas, you know, from 1956 or whatever it right, is, you know. Right. And I'm always like, yeah, who took those pictures? And like, that's interesting because what are they worth other than to the random kids who were in them back in the day, you know, who are now 68 years old. Um, well, and you never know where you could go who was uh speaking of hill country who was the uh, gunnar yes uh, oh the, the pictures the, that he took the, in that in that area of town yeah yeah in this you know at 16 took pictures in this area of virginia yeah this really and, poor predominantly black area of town that was going to get raised because they like you know changed the zoning or whatever right and he's got the only pictures yeah taken and during this he time made the book and stuff yeah they're fantastic yeah so you yeah i mean there's a there's a, a value there. Yeah, I mean, if you want to just give them to the world, you could always just like stick them up on Flickr or something like that, and they're going to be yeah. there for attach quote, unquote, creative ever. comments to them, and yeah. you're done. Um, but the idea of giving a hard drive to to the school district that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it's very um, nice. Yeah, so that's perfect. Um, I think that I think that could work. I haven't really thought about it. I mean, I guess 
You know, I don't know if we added it to my, we just redid our wills recently because you have to, you have to do them again. Once when you actually get married, your old will before you got married is null and void technically. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, because it said, you know, that Bill Wadman is your domestic partner, not your spouse. Okay. So therefore, you know, um, so theoretically, you know, I guess it would probably all go to her anyway, because we're married, but, but I guess most of it would go to Conrad. I don't know that I have anything in there for my work to specifically go to anybody in the event of like, we both die in a plane crash or something. Hmm. I should probably actually change that and, and put something in there. Not that my work is worth like millions of dollars, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. No, I have not dealt with the arrangements for my work. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't yeah, know. No, I should, no, I gotta, no, now I, I got to think about that. Yeah. Uh, and number two, people's names and metadata. This is this is kind of a, an interesting question. Yeah. Does it make more sense to set up people's names as keywords or just enter them in the caption field? I cover approximately 3.2 bajillion different people from all different events. So I haven't really spent any time tagging anyone, but on the chance that any one of them becomes an Olympian, I'd love to easily uh, nice to easily pull up their shots for a Sports Illustrated retrospective. Um, I don't know. Maybe you know, I'm terrible with metadata. I don't I, I don't put anything in there. Like, right. I, I mean, I put, I, I think I have it automatically entering my copyright info and that kind of stuff oh, uh-huh. uh, on import. But since I'm almost always just shooting a single person, I just put it in the name of the, the file name. Like I don't end oh, up putting okay. it so in. Oh, okay. So like dates, stroke, yeah. yeah Jeffrey Sidoris. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And it's funny, even the date thing is like, is that really necessary? Cause there's metadata for the date already. I tend to, I tend to do, you know, 15, 12, 29. I think it's, it's more of a, a benefit when you're searching visually, like outside of an application. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, if you've got things broken down into, this is my 2015 and then I've got, you know, June, July, August, you can see those by date without having to be in a, uh, an application. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I think that, yeah, that could be a thing for him though, putting them in metadata, you know, that's a good question. That's, that's a Google question just cause I don't know what the standard is. I'm sure mm-hmm. maybe that, that digital asset management, that damn book yeah, yeah, has yeah. some ideas of like what best practices are. There's an ASMP best practices book. Let me see. ASMP. I think there's a, there's an ebook that they have too. ASMP. Or yeah, I think it's ASMP. I, I, the, yeah. There's, oh, the DP best workflow.org. I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. Uh, okay. which talks about, you know, metadata and best practices and all that kind of stuff. It, Naming um, conventions, that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. that I'm sure that there's stuff. Yeah. There's file management, meta, there's a whole section on metadata in here. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so anyway, yeah, you could, you, oh yeah, look at this, all, all kinds of stuff about metadata in here and metadata templates and XMP versus whatever and creative commons so you're attribution adding, and you're adding yeah. metadata to the metadata about the show. I know it's so meta. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, all right. We're at about an hour and a half, so it's perfect. All right. Uh, uh last week's, uh, uh lots pr- of great stuff for more light. Yeah. I mean, night shots, day shots, uh, just, uh, Sam love the, the shot of the, of the tractor there. looks like, uh, what is that? Is that a tractor? I don't know what that is, but it's kind yeah, of, what cool. is that thing? It's, I don't know. Super wide angle too, right? Something that, that I should be able to drive <laughs> at some point. I don't want you ever driving something that looks like that. 
<laughs> in, like in, that scene in Footloose. In, in, <laughs> you, in, you and I. Unless you're in Fury Road 2. <laughs> um, uh, Millie, good one, more light. Uh, Justice, Long Shadows, dig it. Uh, Richard Boutwell, I like these with the circle mat around them. That's pretty cool. Um, uh, Martin Rotz, Martin, that guy. Between you and Matheson. Ugh. You like that? I like that. Okay. Uh, Dave Gardner. I like this, this waiting for sunrise at the Jersey shore. That's nice. Uh, oh, the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one yesterday. Andrew Shields, uh, a scene shot this past Wednesday for, from inside the U of M law library. Is it university of Michigan? Uh, could be university of Michigan. Yeah. Probably U of M. Well, it could be university, university of Minnesota. Now, where are you at, Andrew? I don't know. We're going to have to find uh, out. Anyway, good one. Uh, love the uh, the Lance Harshberger, the more light of the little the little lantern. Oh, yeah, yeah. With yeah, but the, suns, yeah the sunrise, yeah. That's nice. Uh, Dwayne Christensen is in uh, Vegas, apparently. Vegas, baby. Blowing all his Christmas money. Oh, Gardner's, right. Gardner's picture of uh, uh, at the diner was is pretty cool. Isn't that the, cool? That's yeah. That's a great that's, one. I like that. Have you been to that diner? No, I don't know where that is. Uh, yeah, I'll this to, is to really see. neat. Uh, I Wait would, a minute. I would, hold on a second. It says that this diner has the best corned beef hash, but they weren't open yet. What the hell kind of diner isn't open 24 hours a day? Just saying. I guess the one in Jersey. Bobby Tingle's one of the tree with a, with the Zoom. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's yeah. nice. Mike Waller's got the super primary color-y lights there. That's kind of cool. Yeah, some some really fun work. Really good stuff. Uh, did you Wait, did you have an idea for next week already? Wait, isn't it in there? Oh, yeah, yeah it is. Oh, yeah, look at that. All right. What, what, what's, what's next week? Uh, resolution. So oh. now this, this could be, it could go any, any number of ways, right? Say one revolution. Hey, apparently uh, you can listen to the Beatles on streaming now. Yeah, that pisses me off. I don't like streaming. <laughs> How are you? Where, where do you stand on the Beatles mono versus stereo? I, you know, I don't, I, I can honestly say I haven't uh, thought about it at all. Okay. Some people say that the stereo mixes were an afterthought and that the real true mixes you want to listen to are the mono ones. Yeah. But I've always listened to the stereo ones because that's what I've always had. So I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, Write in uh, if you have an opinion. Podcast. Yeah, right. Uh, Bobby Tinkle. I wanted to uh, fandom for for fandom. He got a picture of Carrie Fisher with Gary. And you can clearly see Gary's tongue hanging out of his mouth. Her dog. Uh, So great. Gary the dog. (laughs) Gary. Uh, Yeah. So resolution. Gary the dog. Oh, by the way, I saw Star Wars. No spoilers. I've now seen it twice. No spoilers. What do you think? Okay. Um, I liked it much more the second time than the first time. Yeah. Okay. The first time I gave it a six out of 10. What? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I did. I, I Bill, saw it. I, I saw it in 3d the first time and I enjoyed it far more in 2d than I did in 3d. Well, 3d is a gimmick. I'm just going to say. Yeah. It. Yeah. I just like, I have to make the point of never seeing things in 3d cause I'm always disappointed. Um, I think it was good. I thought it was, I thought it was, I, I now give it an eight out of 10. I think it's. I think it was. I think it was very good. I don't think it was perfect. Of course, nothing is. But um, I thought it was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. I, again, I enjoyed it much more the second time. Um, I think part of it because you know 
once you know what's coming and then you can go back and enjoy the little one-liners you missed or the 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 references to stuff that you didn't notice before and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I thought all the new people were fantastic. They were absolutely fantastic. <laughs> like uh, Daisy, Daisy whatever. Ridley. Yeah, and uh, and the guy who played Poe, what's his name? Uh, who's Oscar name? Isaac? Oscar Isaac. I like Oscar Isaac. Did you, yeah? I he I lost a lot of lot. weight between this and Ex Machina. Yes, because in Ex I Machina even... he was he must have been wearing a fat suit. No, he was just big. That was, he, he lost a lot of weight. I, I didn't even recognize him at first. Yeah, because he had the big bushy beard and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and, was and, and him and uh, the uh, what's the guy's Finn are pretty John cute. John Boyega. Yeah, yeah. When they're in the thing, that was pretty cute. When they're yep zooming around. Anyway, uh, I liked it a lot. So uh, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Yeah, Over a billion dollars in less than two weeks. Uh, I I ten out of ten for me. It was, okay. it was amazing. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. I laughed. I cried. Yeah, the second time I got more choked up than I did the first time. I, I teared but up. But not when you think I get choked up. It was other weird sections I got choked up. Hmm. Um, all right. Uh, the, uh, assignment for next week, resolution. Okay. Resolution. Hashtag okay. resolution. Got it. <clears throat> yep. Uh, photographer of the week. I think I'm, somebody I'm sent this you, in. I'm glad you paid. I, I follow Jimmy on Instagram and I love his stuff. I feel like somebody sent it in. Let me go. Let me, let's go see. Ah, uh, here we go. Uh, Lance Harshbarger. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Chin. Yep. Jimmy Chin, who is a sort of a, uh, outdoorsy sports photographer kind of guy. Yeah. I, I dig this stuff. Yeah. This is like, this is extreme, extreme sports. Yeah. Um, uh, really, really well done. And if you go into his stills and go adventure or yep. not, sorry, not, not, not a bit published, published. Yep. I love how they split up the Nat Geo cover. Oh yeah, that was excellent. That was really well done. Some of these things are amazing, and I kind of look and go, "Oh yeah, Uh, I I like these a lot better than uh, who's the who's the guy uh, the 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 Creative Live guy. What's his name? Chase Jarvis. Chase Jarvis does a lot of sort of sports stuff, but they're not nearly as good as this. I I think I think Jimmy Chin is is. Arguably yeah. the best out there. Yeah. Fantastic he's, stuff. He's terrific. Uh, and there's something about that one where the guy, anytime these stupid rock climbers are hanging with nothing but their hands, I'm like, what? Yeah. What do you do? Come on. You know, your mother's not happy with that photograph. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I hate and, those people. And the scare light the crap that he gets in is just fantastic. Yeah. 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 Remind me not to, uh, to climb mountains though. I don't, I don't think I, I couldn't do it. Uh, all right. Uh, but hey, he, he was a rock climber. Be- oh, you're going to remind me? <laughs> don't climb mountain. Yeah, thanks. Uh, don't, don't go chasing waterfalls either. I mean, there's, a, <laughs> there's, there's a thing in here. It says, Jimmy Chin's, J- Jimmy Chin's uh, career-changing moment came in 1999 after an ascent of Yosemite's El Capitan. He'd been living out of his beat-up Subaru for seven years, traversing the states to feed his climbing and skiing Jones. Uh, uh, Jones's on the wall. He used his climbing partner's camera to take some pictures, which the friend later sold uh, for him to an outdoor gear manufacturer, mountain hardware for 500 bucks. He couldn't believe it. I realized if I sold 12 of those a year, I'd be living large says Jin, a sinewy 38 year old with a neat ponytail of Raven hair. So he was a climber anyway. Right. So this is just sort uh, of a, this gets us back to one of the earlier questions though. Here's somebody who who didn't set out to be on the path that he's on. Yep. Was was following a different passion and and photography kind of came out of that. 
Yeah, yeah. Which is which is fascinating to me. Okay, you see this picture I just yeah, sent? like this crazy guy who's holding <laughs> on. Well, at least he's roped in. He's doing. I forget what it's called when you're like under an overhang. There's like a term for that. Uh, living dangerously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's death, in the dangerous house. Death wish. That's what that's called. <laughs> uh, there's like look at there's blood on the rock. Yeah, above his hand there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah screw. Actually, that. that might be just. I don't know if that's blood. It might be, but it looks like it's just like more of the lichen that's underneath here. Oh God, gross. Anyway, uh, good stuff. Beautiful, beautiful work. Yeah. Um, this is I, the kind of like, stuff you I, just look at and you go, ah. I would hang prints of this stuff. I, I would hang prints of this work. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. a huge like adventure photographer person, but it's just, I mean, there, there's something about the precariousness of it and the light that he shoots them in and, and, oh, it's just, so, just such good stuff. He seems to be one of those guys who, uh, the pictures that he gets, I look at and I kind of go, Man, how the hell do you even get that picture? Like, they're sort of the perfect versions of that sort of lifestyle, hard-living, special, uh, um, extreme sports kind of stuff going on. Right. Uh, beautiful, beautiful work. And, and you, you know, know what? Couldn't do that with stuff with film. No. Like a lot of stuff he's doing is, like, very specific to digital photography. Is, that, is he at the top of Everest? Something like that. I mean, with oxygen masks and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not impressed by anybody who climbs Everest with oxygen. I just got to say, I'm going to put that out there. I'm going to oh. throw down the gauntlet. If you wow. can't do it, if you can't do it without oxygen, I don't think you should be doing it. All right. Well, as God intended. Look at look at you, Sir Edmund Hillary. Sir, sir, <laughs> sir no, they sir used Bill, oxygen. Sir William Waddley. No, I, I would say it would be uh, who's the who's the guy, the Reinhardt Messner. That's the guy. Oh, okay. He's he's the guy. Uh, okay. Yeah. It, it, one one last yep, little sure. thing here. That maybe put put these in the show notes or something. This yep. thing where where your your little I don't know what you call this thing other than scary as hell. The the tents that are hanging off like the face oh, yeah. of El Cap. Yeah, yeah. I hate that. No. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're like no. just sitting there putting all your weight onto something that's held in by, by a single bolt. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> no? Am I uh, wrong? It's a, it's a, it's a definite. Look, if you can't climb up the, if you can't climb up the, 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 the cliff in one day, too big of a cliff. Go find another cliff. <laughs> find another cliff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I don't know. All uh, right, all right. Anything else? Let's let's let these people get on with their yep. with their day. Although it's you know week before New Year's, what are you really doing? Exactly. Uh, we're going to do some live shows in the, in the new year. We're going to talk about some good stuff. So I'm yes. excited. Me too. Me too. 2016 podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Tell your friends, please. Yeah. Tell your friends. Uh, Bill's at Bill Wadman. I'm at Jeffrey Sedoris. J-E-F-F-E-R-Y. E-R-Y. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so, Jeff. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when your parents decided to spell your name weird you know starting with a g right um uh, so yes we were on pod, uh like instagram and uh, twitter at bill wadman at jeffrey Storis, podcast on taking pictures.com phone number is 347-687-9411 and thank you very much for your support this last year and we can't wait to see uh, it next year you totally appreciate it and uh, yeah next year is going to be pretty fantastic i think yeah yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you later. See you. Going on and on the way we are for so long. To any fool, it's plain to 
this way Say what you wanna say Though I know your words will lay me out So I can hear you think out loud Going through your thoughts the way Tried to make it right 